Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, we're going to talk about, so you say you don't believe in God. You say you don't believe in God. Well, at one point in my life, 15 years ago, I was at that exact spot, um, exact spot in my life. It's, or if there is a God that um, he, he just flat out forgot about me, you know, and, and didn't have any time for me. So if, if that's where you're at today in your life, I can I can absolutely 100% relate. And actually, these are the most uh, these are the people that I like most working with, um, only because I've been there and I can really understand where they're coming from a lot of times. But first, I want to talk about some reasons we likely don't believe in God. And secondly, I want to talk about some reasons that if if you're like me, should convince you without question that God is alive and real. So for myself, for the longest time, I couldn't understand why a loving God would take away the father of a 12-year-old son by letting him die at such a young age. How could a loving God take a boy's father from him who so desperately needed and loved him? My father was 32. He died of cancer, and I was 12 in 1969. I just couldn't understand how Somebody like my father, who was well-loved in the community, he was a fireman, youngest engineer in the history of Long Beach at that point in time. How would God, this God that's loving, take him away, but yet let somebody like Charlie Manson, who, who murdered the Tate LaBianca families, um, pretty much massacred them, yet let him live, albeit was in prison, but let him live. I, I just couldn't understand the logic behind that even as a 12 year old boy but then even worse than that how could that same loving god right suppose a loving god put a stepfather in my life that would emotionally physically spiritually sexually abuse me from the age of 12 to 17 and beyond the age of 12 a month after my father died he began abusing me so what kind of a loving God, a loving father, would do that to his child? So you grow up in church and you hear about this God that's all loving, and he's going to take care of all your needs. And I'm hearing that as, as a teenager, yet all this is happening to me. So I, I can fully understand where you might not believe there is such a thing as a loving God. And, and, and I will say especially, especially today, in today's times, where we have wildfires burning out of control and people live in houses that they've that their kids grew up in and that you know their their dream homes maybe they've saved all their life and they built finally being able to build their dream home and 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 you look at the um, the riots that are going on in, in portland and the, we're going to call them what they are they're violent riots they're not protests um in Portland, in Seattle, and Ganache, Wisconsin, where, yeah, all these riots where businesses are being destroyed, people's dreams have been crushed and, and destroyed with this this 
pandemic that's happening in the world where our, our government is, is using it as a political ploy. Um, and people literally are losing everything they've worked for in their lives. So if there's a God, I, I, I'm having a hard time buying it because what kind of God would do this to me? Well, real quick on that point, what kind of God would do that? No God, an evil God, the devil, not God in heaven. Look at, we're responsible for it. We're the ones that push God out of church. We're the ones that push God out of government. We're the ones that push God out of schools. And we're the ones that push God out of our lives. So we are the ones that are responsible. God gives man free will. And I know that's really hard for a lot of people to understand. And it was hard for me to understand, and it took a while. So, how can you really believe there's such a thing as a loving God? Well, I can tell you that for a long time, at one point in my life, matter of fact, for about 30-some years of my life, I fought against it. I grew up in a Christian home, but as soon as I was 18, I turned my back on the church and on God. But I can tell you this, I can tell you this, even with all the chaos that's going on in the world today, Today, things are much different in my life. Now, there's another real issue that I seldom have ever discussed when it comes to the correlation between our, our, our earthly father and our father here on earth and our heavenly father, the father that we can't see. Okay. Um, so let, let's, let's start with this question. What does God look like? And this is one of the main reasons Jesus came to earth, to show us the father. Okay. The issue then becomes that we relate our Father here on earth to how our Heavenly Father is supposed to be and treat us. So let, let me explain this. Let's, see, let's say that we were abused by our father, our stepfather, grandfather, any, or any other authority in our life here on earth. This could be emotional, emotionally, physically, spiritually, or sexually abused. Abuse is abuse, okay? It doesn't matter. It, it all has its effects. And some are worse than others, but they all have some, some, some long-lasting effects if they're not addressed at a very young age. In a young person's life, this can create a profound and deep hurt, distrust, confusion, dysfunction in relationships, and a host of other dysfunctional behavior issues. And I think that's where people are missing the boat. They just think, well, they'll get over it. They're, bo- they're men. They'll just get over it. Or, they're, you know, even women, they'll just get over it. It's just, you know... Just what it is, what it is, you know. Um, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. According to our Bible, according to the Bible, our earthly fathers are to treat us as God would. Okay, treat us as God would. Ephesians six four says, "Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instructions of the Lord." So. What is that? What is the instruction of the Lord? Well, what is Lord? Lord is God, okay? And what is God? God is the ultimate love. God is, is, is love beyond love. That's what God is. So what's love? Well, we have that answer too. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It's right in the Bible. It tells us exactly what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. 
it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. That is so, it keeps no record of wrongs. What happened yesterday is done and over with. Do not ever bring it up again. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, that is what love is. And I can tell you, Ryan, I can tell you, I was not brought up that way. My, my real father, the short time that I was with him, was like that. My stepfather and my mother, who were a deacon of a Christian, born-again Christian church, and a, um, a member of the choir, and even the, the pastors and the deacons of the church did not treat me like that in any way. That was not what love was to them. So how is a father to treat us? Right? With love, kindness, understanding, gentleness, forgiveness, and patience. He is to love us unconditionally. Okay? Unconditionally. Now, when I, I'm not saying that we're not supposed to discipline our children, but there, there's discipline, there's punishment, and discipline is not beating our kids, whipping our kids, hitting our kids. I'm telling you, it, it does more harm than it does good. There's actual psychological proof out there that it does more harm, okay? And then to go farther, if you read Matthew 18.6, okay? And this, these are part, parts of the Bible that a lot of people will really avoid, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And basically what Jesus is saying, that you'd be better off dead than harming one of my little ones. My stepfather, certain people in that church, my mother, as a teenager, they caused me to stumble. They caused me to stumble and fall into sin. People say, well, you know, no, they didn't. You have a choice. Well, growing up as children and young teenagers, we don't know we have a choice. Now, as we get older and into adulthood, we do realize that we have other choices. So a lot of the things I was doing was a choice I was making because I was so full of anger, rage, and hate towards everything that happened to me. Okay? So even... If anyone causes one of these little ones, okay, that little one could even be a, a, a young, a, a, um, somebody new to Christ, a babe in Christ. You know, if we're doing stuff that's going to cause that newborn, that that born, that newborn again Christian to trip and go back to his old ways, it's the same thing. If we're causing anybody to stumble, it's a sin. But it goes it, it, when, when we talk about children, it's even worse. Okay, because it's gonna it's gonna affect them for a lifetime if they can't get the right help. So, but yet for many of us, our fathers here on earth has been unable to display any of the attributes of God as I just explained. Okay, and what I want to say too is that I'm I'm, I'm not going to go into this real deep today, but when we work with people that. We have to look at our generation, our parents, our par- their parents, their parents' parents. It's generational, handed down from generation to generation, these, these behaviors. And so as we get into recovery, 
as men and women, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, uncles, whatever. It's our job at that point in time to recognize the generational curse that we've been had, that's been handed down to us and to break that generational curse. You can't do it on your own. You have to find a good mentor, a good coach that's going to walk you through the process because this way of life is ingrained in us. It's in our, almost, it's, it's in our DNA to a point. So we have to redo our neural pathways. We have to break that, that, that abusive um, way of, of raising children and, and, and being around people. We have to open our minds. We have to really think and look. And so it's a hard process. And if, if you're willing to do it, it, it'll change your life for, for the better. I guarantee you that. So I, I know that growing up, neither my mother, my stepfather, her, the only people that showed me any kind of love and respect was my grandmother, my grandfather, on my father's side after my dad died. And it was just enough to make me hang on and not go off the deep end. So now someone comes along and tells us that this God in heaven, this God that is somewhere in the universe, this God we can't see, is going to come along, is going to love me unconditionally? Really? This God is going to forgive, forgive me without judgment, fulfill all my needs, and will never leave nor forsake us? Deuteronomy 31.6 says that. God will never leave us or forsake us. Who are you trying to fool? Who are you trying to fool, I thought. The secondary issue no one talks about, I believe, can be more detrimental to believing in God than the first one. Who are you, who are you trying to fool? All right. I've had both men and women without provocation use this exact scenario for why they struggle believing in a loving God. It does no good to talk about the problem without talking about a solution. So then, what is a solution? And that's another thing. We have to talk about the problem because if we don't know what the problem is then we're not going to get to the root of it because we need to get to the root of the problem in order to come up with a solution. Okay, so then how do we overcome these, these very real roadblocks and coming to believe that God is real and loves us? My favorite script, one of my favorite scriptures right here is 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. That says a lot right there. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. People that are perishing, we don't. They walk into church. They walk into a recovery room. They they walk into your life. They're they're looking for help. We have no idea what's happened to them in their life, and we might not know what's happened to them in their life for a period of time. And too often people will walk into church for the first time and, and somebody will come up to them and they'll start telling them, well, hey, glad you're here. And they, that person might say a little bit about their life and then, they say, then they're being told what they should have done, what they shouldn't do. They need to keep coming back. They start uh, throwing scripture down their throat. They start praying for them, you know, unsolicited prayer, which I'm, I'm okay with prayer. All right? But sometimes just praying for them silently 
is a much better way to pray for them than making them feel uncomfortable praying for them on the spot when they're when they're you don't know what they've been through. I know there's people who might not agree with me on this, and that's okay. But we have the best success when we follow this this passage right here. I just meet people where they're at. The only thing that we can do as human beings to help other human beings is to share our experience. We don't know what another person needs. We don't know where they've been. We don't know what they walk. We don't know how they feel. People say, well, I know exactly how you feel. No, you don't. You're not them. You know, so we have to be careful. The, only, the best way to help these people that are perishing, that are struggling with believing in God, as I was, is say, okay, what's going on? I can share my experience with, with people all the time about this. Because when I was at that point in my life, and I finally walked into recovery, I had some people that were like, I, I was set back because they weren't condemning. They says, okay, I can understand why you struggle with God and why you're upset with him. Let's see, you know, we'll, we'll just go forward a day at a time. They allowed me to do my own exploration of God. They allowed me to seek him and come up with my own understanding of God. Not the understanding um, that I, that I grew up with God is one that was, was evil, one that was molesting me, beating me, emotionally abusing me, all that. Now, I, I want to say something right here because too many people, and I say this, too many people, I've heard over and over, I'm going to pray for your healing. Look it, I'm talking about past experiences. I've worked through all of this. I do believe in God. It, it, Again, that's one of those things where we need to pray for Randy and his healing. Well, you don't, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. And pray for me. I need prayer. Believe me, the, 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 the calling that God put on my life, I need a lot of prayer. But my prayer needs to be for protection, for strength, and for courage to endure what God has put in front of me to, to, to tackle. So please do pray for me. But I've, I've done so much healing on this, and that's why I can talk about them. I have passion for people that struggle with God. It's okay. I, I, they're my favorite people to work with because I understand them. I, I can help them work through the roadblocks, right? Because, you know, my father right here on earth, their father right here on earth probably didn't love them, right? So... <clears throat> It just takes patience and time. It takes using that love of, of 1 Corinthians 13. And, and I want you to understand something, too. This is very critical to understand that once a person has come to believe and accept the Christ as the Lord and Savior, the work is not done. It's just beginning. They still have a lot of work ahead of them as the journey is likely only to get harder. And that's the truth, because God gives us a sense of peace, right? And then, then more will be revealed as we go on, and then these issues of our past, these, these character defects, as we can call them, they need to be dug up. They need to be dug up, and they need, they need, our neural pathways need to be fed some, some really healthy information. 
You know, if you're one that you were, you know, your parents might have told you you'll never amount to nothing. And even though you might be successful in life, that voice is still in the back of your head. We need to get rid of that voice. And how do you do that? You hang around like-minded people that are healthy and that are going to walk with you. That's what happened with me. I had, I had men in my life that were reminding me, Randy, you are lovable. What do you mean I'm lovable? Randy, people love you. You're lovable. You're not more than, you're not less than, you're, you're enough. I, I, I didn't, I, I never heard any of that. The condition of our recovery is based solely on our spiritual condition. Okay? I didn't say religious. I said spiritual condition. That's direct. Spirituality is a direct connection with God. Okay? It will be important that we maintain some sort of a daily spiritual practice on this journey, which might include prayer, meditation, and reading the Bible. Now, again... This is something that we have to ease into, and we have to ease the people that we're working with into. If, if they're reading a, if they're reading a book on Buddhism, let them read it. It's not going to hurt them. That's what I did. I went to Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and then when I got to the Bible and the Ten Commandments, I said, "Wait a minute. There's only one God. Every these other religions, especially um, like Buddhism, it's based on the Ten Commandments." It's not really a religion anyways. It's just a practice. But there's only one God. That's what I discovered. So it's okay if people need to research. You just be there with them. You walk it with them. We know that there's one God. We know what the Bible says. And so we want to walk with them, hear what they're having to say, and then bring. Then we can start bringing the Bible into it. But we can't force people to believe anything. That's what my that's what my parents did with me. They tried to force me. They told me I was I, I was the devil, uh, or I was worshiping. Well, I was called the devil more than once by my mother. But they said I was worshiping the devil if I was to go surfing on Sunday. But yet the youth pastors were surfing. You know, it's like. How can I be the devil if, or worshiping the devil if I'm surfing on Sundays? Surfing brought me closer to nature, which brought me closer to God. Surfing is where I found my peace, where I found my connection. But yet I was worshiping the devil, not God. <laughs> These are the kind of beliefs that people have that, that absolutely destroy the, the, the young ones and push them farther away from God. The most difficult part that I found for uh, for myself, and that I found for others, and staying connected to is, is staying connected to like-minded community people. And what this means is that we have to walk away from a lot, if not all, of your so-called old friends. And, and I guarantee you that you'll find out real quick who your real friends are. I mean, really quick, you'll find out who your real friends are. If you're not out there getting drunk, getting high, having affairs, doing everything they're doing, all of a sudden you're walking this this path of of freedom, spirituality, not religion, spirituality. We believe in in, in spirituality and relationship, not religion. Religion's man-made. Religion's the Pharisees. All right. So why don't we go from this point, how I 
overcame all my obstacles in connecting with God again. Because it was, uh, it was important. And I've, I've, I've walked some people through this myself and brought them back to at least start believing. First, a short synopsis of why I turned from God. Growing up in an abusive home left me very confused about a lot of things. To make matters worse, somewhere along the line, we started attending church, and I can only guess it was because my mother and stepfather's life were so out of control. I would also say that my stepfather was looking for a way to relieve his guilt related to him, abusing not only me, but also my mother, and as I now as I know factually, a lot of other boys. Although I was carrying this heavy burden and big secret on my shoulders, I did find some solace and peace with the youth group at our church. And then at the, age of, uh, at the age of 13, I gave my life to Christ in hopes of finding deeper sense of peace and belonging, at least for a while, <laughs> at least for a while. Then unfortunately, when my stepfather and mother continued abusing me, even though they were going to church behind God, not oftentimes hiding behind a scripture they twisted to justify their actions, which was a, a uh, which was a daily thing. There was always some kind of scripture they'd pull up that would try to justify their answer. They didn't want to see like Matthew six uh, eighteen eighteen six where he caused a little one to harm uh, to fall. You'd be better off with a millstone tied around your neck. They probably they never read that one probably. This combined with a pastor that knew about the abuse and did nothing about it, and my youth pastor, who, who figuratively speaking, slammed the door to his, his mentorship with me in my face. I'd had enough. Absolutely had enough. If this is what God and the church are about, then the hell with it all. And that was the day I started my 38-year dance with the devil. Damn, I never gave myself to the devil, but man, I certainly was dancing with him and his, all of his players. As much as I didn't want anything to do with God, if he indeed did exist, in the back of my mind, I, was, I always believed that there had to be something out there bigger than, than myself. While camping in the high country, looking at the majestic mountains, the millions of stars in the Milky Way at nighttime, the way the landscape and sky blended, and flowed together with such eloquence and beauty, it was hard to deny that there was indeed a God. Even with that, even with that, the thought would, would leave my mind as fast as it entered it. My therapist was very wise when it comes to her approach about God. And she was, Deborah Mines was, she, man, I just remember sitting there, um, just saying, man, where were you when I was growing up? Because <laughs> I was just sucking up everything she said. It was so she was so wise, so much wisdom. It, 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 when I'd bring up the subject, she would turn the conversation, or I'm sorry, um, when I was when, when I was my sorry about this. My therapist was very wise when it came to her approach about God. She was, I mean, extremely wise when it came to her approach about God. Because whenever I would bring up the subject of God. She would turn the conversation around to more about spirituality than religion. The religion's man-made. Spirituality, that connection with God. It's a concept that I'd never experienced. It was all about religion. It was all about religion. That if you weren't, if you weren't born again Christian, look, the Bible says before you judge others, take the log out of your eye. The Bible says take the log out of your eye before you judge the speck in other people's eyes. 
this church I went to, my mother and my stepfather, if you weren't born again Christian, you were going to hell, period, in a conversation. didn't matter what other religion you were. You were going to hell, period. What a, what a sad way to be brought up. I started seeing things from a different perspective. I wasn't being judged or condemned for how I was believing or for my anger towards God. For the first time in my life, I was being understood. Then when I entered into the Betty Ford Center and saw the word God highlighted and underlined, <laughs> I immediately said to myself, we have a real problem if God is involved in this. And God is in uh, step three, which in our will and our life over the care of God. Well, again, my counselors, much like my therapist, talked about God more, more from a spiritual realm than a religious realm. And that's what was just really astounding. And then plus I could, on that level, it was all, there was no condemnation. There, there was none whatsoever. Even when I spoke with my, my spiritual counselor, you know, I was in there for an hour, hour and a half, just tearing the church and God apart. And he just, he said, you know, you have a right to be upset. He goes, we got a lot of work to do and we'll get through it. You know, there was no condemnation. You, you can't believe this way. You're going to go to hell. There was none of that. It was my feelings and how I felt. And they were, for the first time, they were validated. But what I found out was that, in fact, they were talking about the same God I grew up with and believed in as a teenager. Yet this God was not all at all anything like the God I was told about. The God was loving, kind, forgiving, understanding, full of grace, and a gentleman. What a concept that was. What a concept that was. See, in, in, in AA, turning will and life for the care of God is you understand God. And I believe that's gotten so out of context today because some people will use God, say it's a fan, it's a tree, it's a dog, it's this, it's that. It's a, and and that's, that's, not what they, that's not what the founders meant by a God of your understanding. I've done my research. There's a whole book about uh, um, by, by Dick B that talks about this, is that God of your understanding was, when I walked into A, it was that one that molested me, beat me. He was evil. He was wicked. He was judging. He was throwing lightning bolts at me. He was mean. I mean, all that. That was the God that I understood. I wanted nothing to do with that God anymore. That's what God was about. I don't want him. The God of my understanding today is one that is kind, forgiving, understanding, full of grace, and he's a gentleman. I mean, all that and more. That's my understanding of God today. And that's why I've remained sober. Not only sober, because anybody can get sober, just quit drinking and using. But my life has changed. I've been re literally been reborn because I now believe in a God that's loving, kind, forgiving, and understanding. There's only one God, God Yahweh, God the Creator. So eventually what my, both, both my therapists and counselors in treatment and AA mentors uh, allowed me to do was to research the truth about God. And in doing that, I was able to find that understanding of, of God for the first time in my life. And it's something I'd never been allowed to do in the past because I had to believe this certain way. And if I, if I deviated from it at all, I was going to burn in hell. Like I said, the God of my, my, my old understanding was one of molesting me, beat me, abused me every way possible and ignored me. And that's certainly not the understanding God I have today. Today, he is the God I, I mentioned above, loving, kind, forgiving, understanding, all of grace, full of grace, a gentleman, and so much more. 
So how did I ultimately find God? How did I find him? Let me ask you, how many times have you used the prayers from the foxholes? Prayers that when you were in trouble, the only time you were praised when you were in trouble and you reached out to God. I could tell you that I used them a lot. I used them when I, when, when what I know today is I overdosed on cocaine and alcohol and just knew I was going to die. God, please let me live. I have my children and my wife to take care of. I'm not ready to die. He answered those prayers many times for me. I'm still alive and helping others. Or how many times were you looking at the very real possibility of going to jail or driving under the influence? I had a night where I was, well, let's just say very intoxicated. I was driving rather fast when a car made a sudden lane change into my lane and I was unable to stop. I ended up towing that car. Unfortunately, no one was hurt. The driver of the vehicle admitted it was his fault. Even so, after being interviewed by six officers, I knew I was going, I knew I was going to jail. Again, I prayed, God, please get me out of this, and I promise you I will fill in the blank. An officer walked up to me, and I will tell you this, and I'm not saying this with pride. I'm not proud of this whatsoever. It's part of my story. I was extremely drunk. He walked up to me, handed me back my license, insurance, and registration, then told me to have a great night and drive home safely. So um, when I got sober and I started going back and looking at all these things that God did for me, right, I realized that he was answering my prayers and he did care about me. When I was researching God, I took a little walk back through time to discover that as Deuteronomy 31.6 says, just be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. This is the key that is that's in the scripture. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Through all the years of my abuse, the near-death experience, the shame, the pain, and yes, even the success, God never did leave me nor forsake me. I can say that with 100% certainty. It was really hard to deny he existed anymore. Of course, I did my part by remaining strong and courageous. I would invite you to sit down if you're struggling with believing in God, and even if you're believing in God, but there's some struggles about some of the beliefs, I'd invite you to sit down and just take a journey back into your life. And, I, and it's, not, it's not a journey of looking at what's wrong with your life, but look at all the times you called out to, to God, to the God you didn't believe in for help. I mean, get really honest with yourself. And I've done this with a lot of people, and it's been very eye-opening. Take a, a hard look at each situation. I would bet you will see where that God you're struggling to believe in is the reason you are reading this blog. I, I can guarantee it. You didn't believe in him. You struggle with him. Who's God? But when, it, when, when you're in trouble, pull over by the cot, whatever, God just get me out of this one. And I promise you. Right? I promise you. I've talked to countless people that have done it and they didn't listen it's 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 uh, it can be a tragic ending or it can be a glorifying ending. He and he alone kept you alive when you should have been dead or locked up in jail, possibly for life. That's my story. And I know there's other people out there that are in the same boat. 
We have an amazing God that is alive, real, caring, loving, and forgiving. Genesis 50.20 says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. My therapist instilled this in me. My greatest sorrow will become my greatest joy. And my greatest joy will become my greatest sorrow. You intended to harm me, my greatest sorrow. But God intended it all for good, my greatest joy. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. My greatest joy will become my greatest sorrow. You see, working with people, my greatest joy is also my greatest sorrow because I see the damage and the pain that's been done. Right now, the world's upside down. It's a mess. We've got the riots, okay? We've got the fires. We've got the pandemic. And right now, we have the pedophiles. Everything's coming to surface, and it's not good. It's scary. And at this point in time, there's some of you that maybe will never believe in God. I know a third, I heard a statistic the other day, that a third of the people are leaving the church and will never return. So it's understandable right now why people wouldn't believe in God. But the reality is, is that he exists and God is good. God is a gentleman. As hard as this is to understand and believe, God is a gentleman and he gives man free will. He won't interrupt like he did with me. On February 1st, 2006, he told me, Randy, you get out of jail free cards are used up. You need help and you need it now. And based on some of the stories I told you today, I knew exactly what he was saying when you get out of jail free cards are used up. And I made the choice to start going down the narrow road rather than driving down the wide road because I didn't want to take a chance of facing the consequences that laid before me had I kept drinking. Because and, and even today, I, I, if I go back out or if my behavior changes or I decide to jump on the other side of the fence, it's not going to be good for Mr. Boyd. God is real and God is alive. And he's the only thing, the only one that's going to help us. And I know it's hard to believe for some people, and that's okay. But let me ask you this. What do you got to lose? What do you have to lose? So I appreciate you all listening to this today. I hope you got something out of it. You guys can hear me every Friday morning um, on Remnant Radio 100.1 FM from 9 to 12. Remnant Radio 100.1 FM. If you're not where you can get that on the radio, you can get it on the internet at remnantradio.org, remnantradio.org. We are heard locally, uh, nationwide, and worldwide via the, the internet. And you can also get our app, um, Remanante. It's just simply Remanante. And it's both the Spanish and English uh, version on, uh, on, the, on the app. So appreciate you listening to that. Hey, on... Um, Moving forward, there's there's a lot happening with the pedophile stuff, and we are going to 
address this SB 145 amendment if you're not aware of it. Um, remember that Courageous Healers Foundation is a place where men and their families um, can come and heal from the scars of sexual abuse. And, and women are included that in as well, but our primary focus is on men. And so we're going to be we're going to be addressing this SB 145 amendment in the future. Check out my website, CourageousHughes.org. Uh, my daughter is now my administrative assistant, and she's going through all the websites. She's cleaning them up really nice. You can check out my uh, CourageousHughes.org. Also, my life coaching website is ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com, ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com. Check those out if you're interested in any kind of life coaching. That's something my, I do, my wife and I do. Um, marriage counseling as well. And we're Simba certified, and we do that with our couples, whether they've been married for a while. Simba stands for Save Your Marriage Before It Starts, but we're finding out that we even give it to married couples that will come in for counseling now, and it's really helping them out. And it's not a psychological test. It, it, it more or less tells you how you each line up with each other in certain areas of your life, like finances and children and all that stuff. It's a really, really good thing. So. Check us out on, on on that as well. You can get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, on Amazon. Also, my thirty day devotional, devo, uh, my thirty day devotional to wholeness, it's on Amazon as well as the seven day challenge workbook. They're all on Amazon. The uh, my book is on is on paperback, Kindle, and Audible. The uh, devotional is paperback and Kindle, and the workbook is just on paperback. And soon, my book will be in Spanish. We're we're uh, probably going to be starting that here in the next couple of weeks to translating it into Spanish. I've had a lot of people wanting it in Spanish. So look forward to that. Um, I'll keep you updated to that. So remember that if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does, but more importantly, God does. Be blessed. See you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us.